This will be my last sermon in this series, The Beginning and the End. I had great intentions of every sermon being about 75% in Genesis and about 25% in Revelation. My goal was to compare the opening chapters of the Bible with the closing chapters of the Bible. And I feel like I have failed in that endeavor because, uh, man, we're just, I've just gotten so tied up in Genesis that at the end of every sermon, we just haven't really had a lot of time to really look at Revelation. Uh, except for last week, we looked at the great white throne judgment. And this week, I'm going to end with reading. We're going we're gonna to primarily be in Revelation chapter 22. So I invite you to go ahead and open your Bible there to Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, but before I jump into that, I feel like I need to say thank you to you. Um, you know, there's, there's some things when it comes to being a pastor and being a preacher, um, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of pastors that I know that are, that are, that are, I don't know, they're, they're nervous about preaching certain topics. And it is not uncommon for a pastor to say, oh, I don't know that I want to preach through that book because in order to preach through that book of the Bible, I have to hit X, uh, uh, X, Y, Z, um, uh, verses, and that might be controversial. I want you to know, because of who you are, I don't feel that way at all. I feel just this freedom just to be able to just give you and preach to you the 100% pure, unadulterated version of what the Bible says. And whenever I think about this series, I think about, you know, I presented to you a view of young earth creationism. That could be pretty controversial to some people. Flies in the face of some bedrock principles of science and biology. Uh, I gave to you a sermon on uh, being made in God's image, male and female, uh, basically against abortion and against modern understandings of gender identity. Uh, I had one sermon on traditional marriage. It's basically against same-sex marriage. I presented in that sermon a, a traditional understanding of gender roles um, and how God wants us to be faithful and committed for life. Uh, last week, the reality of hell and judgment, and all I, all I ever get from you whenever I preach a really hard truth, all I ever get from you after the service is, thank you for preaching the Bible. And so I feel like, I mean, you tell me thank you so much, uh, I feel like I need to tell you thank you because really and truly, I couldn't stand behind this podium and preach the word the way that I do unless... Well, unless you put up with me uh, and allowed me to do it. And so thank you for encouraging me whenever I preach hard topics, hard controversial topics. You, you always tell me thank you. And so I just, I don't know, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say thank you back. So thank you. Uh, all right, let's look at Revelation chapter 22. Let's stand as we read these verses. We're going to start reading in verse 12. These are the closing verses of the Bible. We've looked at the opening verses of the Bible in Genesis now. Today, uh, I want us to look at these closing verses and really a lot of other passages in Scripture that talk about end times we're going to look at today. So here's what Jesus says. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha 
and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter by the city gates. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I want everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Father, today we pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, would you just talk to us and Tell us great and wonderful things that we do not know. God, we love you and offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. So these are the last words spoken by Jesus, uh, the last words of the Bible in the, uh, in, in the last book, in the last chapter. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to happen in the future. And there's a lot of controversy about this. Not so much about what has happened in the past. I mean, things that are historic to our faith, uh, like uh, the, the resurrection of Christ, why Jesus died, the things that Jesus said. Uh, those things aren't really that much debatable among Bible-believing Christians. We have a faith in those things. We look, pat, well, we look back, they've happened in history, and we understand them. That's not the case with things that are to come. Uh, things that we see, prophecies that are yet to be filled, we sometimes don't have a real clear understanding. And it causes us to ask all types of practical questions, like what are, thing, what, what are things going to be like, and when are these things going to happen, and, and, uh, and, 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 th and things that we just really, quite honestly, I mean, we can't really answer. But there are some things that we see in Scripture, things that I feel like that we can unify around. No matter how much we debate some of the details and timelines, there are some things that I believe that are, that are uniform and that are universal that we can all affirm when it comes to events in the future that God has said. I think that we can all agree that first, there will be a revelation. There will be a revelation of some sorts. Now, this is not one particular event as much as it is a smattering of events that will happen in the future as God breaks into the timeline of history in an unmistakable way and consummates his kingdom for all eternity. 
there's a lot of things that are going to happen here. Things that are, are, are signs and wonders. There will be prophecy that will be fulfilled. And we have book after book, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, in both Old Testament and New Testament that point to this future out there that is yet to happen. And though we have such a large body of information, it's still hard for us to explain. That's the thing that I find interesting about it. We have the entire book of Revelation. We have things, we have things concerning the end of time that were even written in the Old Testament. Jesus even spoke about it a lot and about all these events, but yet there is still um, so much mystery and so many things that we don't understand, times and dates and processes, and there, is, there just is no timeline that will really do it justice. Whether you're premillennial or postmillennial or amillennial or dispensational, those things are fun to study. But I think that we're all going to laugh at ourselves when we get to heaven as we, we, we look back and we say, Wow, I can't believe I had a timeline that I thought was perfect. Now, just in the interest of, 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 of perfect disclosure, I am a historic premillennialist. If you want to look that up, go ahead. That's just kind of where I fall. Historic pre-millennialism. Um, but all of this to say, I think that the best that we can do is pray for it. Is just pray for it to however God's going to do it, whenever God's going to do it, and, and in what form it looks like, and in whatever timeline that he has, has set by his own authority, Really, the best that we can do is pray for it and long for it. I guarantee you, if I went around to every heart and asked you, and I said, tell me what you long for. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me the things that you are passionate about. I think that I would get, I would get a lot of varied responses. I wonder how many of us, if, if, if I could really peer into your soul, and if you were totally honest and transparent, I wonder if you would say, Man, I just sit around all the time and I just pray for the end to happen. Most of us feel like that's morbid. Most of, most of us would, would feel like, you know, well, there's so much to be done here. But can I tell you that that is not how people in the New Testament lived? They lived in a way that Jesus was going to come back, that he was going to be revealed, and that he was going to consummate his kingdom, and it was going to happen quickly. It was going to happen any day. And I wonder if we pray about it enough. I wonder if we long for it enough. Would you, would you practice? Would you practice praying for Jesus to come back and to consummate his kingdom? And you might say, well, well, how do I do that? One of the ways that we could do that is we could just use Jesus' very own words. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus told us all types of things that were going to happen, all, all manner of events that, that, were, that were going to take place. He talked about that there were going to be signs to the end of the age, and we could just say, Jesus, would you reveal the signs of the end of the age? And God, when they happen, would you help us just not to be led astray? Lord, we know that many are going to come and say that they're the Christ, but help us, Lord, not to be led astray and to realize that the end is not yet. 
God, we know that nation is going to rise against nation and kingdom is going to rise against kingdom. And Lord, we pray for these things. We pray for the famines. We pray for the earthquakes. We pray for all of these birth pains that are going to lead to your coming. And God, when we're delivered to tribulation, when we're put to death, Lord, when we're hated by all nations, God, help us not to fall away. Help us, Lord, not to listen to false prophets who lead people astray. Help us, Lord, to endure to the end that we might be saved. God, would you help the gospel of the kingdom to be proclaimed throughout the whole world, to be a testimony to you? God, we, we pray for the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel. Lord, we know this is part of your plan, and we know that it will be revealed God, we know that there's going to be great tribulation. Help us, Lord, dear, in those days. Thank you that those days will be cut short for the sake of the elect. God, we pray that just as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, we pray that so will be your coming. God, we pray for the sun to be darkened. We pray for the moon to not give its light. Lord, we pray for the stars to fall from the heavens. And we pray that the earth would be shaken. We pray that, that you will appear, that you will come, that everyone will see you, that you will come on the clouds, that you will come with power and glory. We pray for the trumpet call of God. We pray that you would gather your elect from the four winds, from one heaven to another. You can pray that prayer. You can look into Scripture. You can find the prophecies of God and pray for them. Long for them. Ask God for them because there will be a revelation. And the central event that's going to happen at that revelation is going to be the return of Christ. So not only is going to be a revelation, there's going to be a return. This is the one event in all of the smattering of events that surround the revelation of God in the future. This is the one event that is highlighted more often than any other in Scripture. Jesus Christ, according to what I just read and many others, Jesus Christ will appear in bodily form. And not as a baby in a manger. He will appear in the clouds. The Bible says that it will be visible, that every eye will see him, that he will appear in power and in glory and in majesty. And this is the main thing out of all of these things that we need to be praying for. This is the main thing that we need to be praying for, that we need to be looking for, because it will be unmistakable. When we're talking about nations rising against nation and earthquakes and famines and all these different things, we look at these things and we wonder, is this part of the end? But there will be no mistake whenever Jesus comes back. Whenever Jesus comes back, it will be obvious to us and everyone. And that's why we pray for that. And Jesus said three times in the last chapter of the Bible, three times, he said, behold, I am coming soon. And what is the response to that? In Revelation 22, verse 16, the Bible says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let he who hears say, Come. You see, the Spirit of God 
perfectly reveals and moves in our hearts according to the will of God. And what we see in this verse, we see the Son of God saying, I'm coming. We hear the Spirit of God saying, do it. And the people of God, the bride, saying, we ready. We want it to happen because we're weary of this world and our hope is in something else. So this revelation that, uh, that, that basically is going to reveal this return of Christ, there's going to be something magnificent that's going to happen to us. There will be a resurrection. Regardless of what we believe about the end times, we all believe that there's going to be a revelation of some sort in some timeline, in some way, that there's going to be a return, and that's the central event that we're looking for. And for us, there is going to be a bodily resurrection. Just as Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, you too, if you're a believer, you will be bodily resurrected and assembled with God's people. The best way that I can state it is that it is going to be a rapturous gathering together. And these verses that we see here, uh, the, Matthew chapter 24, the one I just read, talks about this gathering. Jesus coming back and him gathering all of us together. Just like we gather here every Sunday, week after week, God's going to one day gather all of his people, his whole church together, and we're going to all be with him. The Bible says that we're going to be changed. There's going to be something different about us. We're going to have a resurrected body that we're going to be raised. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through verse 17, uh, talks about whenever Jesus comes back, that the dead in Christ will rise, and that we are going to be Caught up together. That's, by the way, where we get our word rapture from. Jesus is going to come back. We're going to be assembled. Even in Isaiah, even Isaiah looks forward to the day that God's people will be resurrected. When he says, your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. Don't you think that's what we're going to be doing on that way, Pastor Andy? We're going to be singing on that day or whenever we're raised from the dead. It says, for your dew is a dew of light and the earth will give birth to the dead. This is really going to happen to us. And regardless of what we believe about the end times, uh, we can all agree that this is true. There's going to be a revelation. There's going to be a return. There's going to be a resurrection. And there is going to be a recompense. There is going to be a recompense. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 22, Verse 12, the last chapter of the Bible, he said, I'm coming soon. And he says, I'm bringing something with me. He says, I'm going to bring a payment, a repayment, a recompense. And who do you think he's going to pay that to? What is this recompense that he's talking about? Now, we can take this one of two ways. We can take this that Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring judgment. We talked about, I talked about that last week. And we looked clearly in Scripture. Obviously, there is judgment. If we, if we were to flip back a couple of pages of Scripture in Revelation chapter 20 and Revelation chapter 21, we would see the full judgment of God 
poured out on unbelievers and poured out on people who don't know Jesus. But in this chapter, in, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 22, um, the Bible says that he is specifically sharing this information with the churches. And though recompense and repayment could be judgment, what we see in view here is more of a reward to God's people who faithfully serve him. The word recompense means, it literally means, a tangible wage. We know that in heaven, our earthly money is going to mean absolutely nothing. So what is this tangible wage that Jesus is promising to give to God's people, God's saints? This is a spiritual reward. There's going to be judgment in eternity for sin for people who are outside of Christ, but there is going to be reward for those who are in Christ. Now, let, let, me, let me be real careful here, but at the judgment seat of Christ, I said this last week, at the judgment seat of Christ, you will not be punished for your sinful actions. You will not be punished for your sins. Jesus was already punished for your sins. That's why we sing about and celebrate the cross every single day. That's why, that's why the gospel is the good news. Because when Jesus died on that cross, he said, it is finished. He paid for all of it. Ever since every sin you've ever committed, every will ever will commit. You will not face eternal judgment and damnation for any sin. You will not be judged in eternity for any sin that you have committed. Jesus paid for that. Your name is in the book of life. But Jesus also said there's some other books. Now I may be getting on some shaky ground here. Let me, let me just tell you what I believe. I believe that in those other books that were opened, Jesus is coming with that recompense and that repayment. And in those books, for you, for the Christian, is not judgment. God's gonna, not going to stand over you and say, I saw all those times you missed church. I'm going to take a star out of your crown for every time that you miss the Lord's day. I saw you didn't read your Bible like you should have, you lazy bum. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to revoke some reward from you. God's not going to stand over his people at judgment day and berate us for our flaws. Christ has already been punished for those things. So what's in that book? What's, what's recorded in that book? What do you think that God's going to say to you? What do you think? How, how are you going to be judged? What recompense, what payment are you going to receive? Well, these, these, are, these are rewards. Now listen, we don't work for the reward of heaven. Jesus already did that on the cross. He did all the work so that you could be in heaven. So we don't work for the reward of heaven, but we certainly work for rewards in heaven. Otherwise, your labor in the Lord is in vain. 
Jesus said, for example, there's going to be a reward if you withstand persecution. Jesus talked about reaping and sowing. Do you really think that he meant that when you reap what you sow, when the Bible talks about reaping and sowing, that it only has to do with here on the earth and with the negative bad things that we do? Is there not also a, a reaping and a sowing that happens in eternity with the good things, the godly things that we do? Jesus said that whenever we give to his kingdom, that we are laying up treasure in heaven whenever, whenever we give, whenever we're, uh, whenever, whenever we're generous. The Bible talks about crowns, crowns of life, crowns of glory, crowns of righteousness, all of which are given on a certain basis of godly works. Here's, here's one example that I can give you, uh, 1, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is Paul. He's talking about him and Apollos. And he's talking about what Apollos does and what he does. And he's, he talks about this wage. He said, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. Do you think he was talking about an earthly wage? Do you think he was talking about the money that was paid to Apollos by the church versus the money that was paid to the churches by Paul? Well, certainly not. He's talking about something bigger. He's talking about something better. He's talking about a reward that, is, that they're going to get in heaven. And he even talks about this in, uh, in verse 13. Look at verse 13. It says, each one's work will become manifest for the day. What day? The day of judgment. When people are at the judgment seat of Christ. When Christians are at the judgment seat of Christ. The day will, be, will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that each one has built on the foundation survives, he will receive, look at this, a reward. This is a reward at the day of judgment. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now listen, the greatest part of heaven is just being there. I mean, the fact that we even get to go, the fact that our names are, are written in the book of life is going to be absolute and complete bliss. That's the greatest reward is just being with Jesus and having eternal satisfaction and fellowship with God. But there are also rewards. There are rewards when you share your faith and you witness to your neighbor. I believe that God, I believe that Jesus says, I'm pleased with that. And he records it in his book. I believe that whenever you go on a mission trip, even though it's hard and difficult and you make great sacrifices, I believe Jesus says, I, that pleases me. I'm going to record that in my book. I'm going to use that at the great white throne judgment. I believe that whenever, 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 you, uh, whenever you're persecuted and you say, God, I'm going to stay faithful to you, even though I'm persecuted, I believe Jesus says, I'm coming, and I'm going to bring my recompense with me. I'm going to bring my rewards for the good things that you have done. He sees you, life group leader, whenever you are diligently preparing that lesson. He sees you, pastors, whenever you're uh, doing the things that you do, leading worship, planning mission trips, kids' ministry, administration, all the things that pastors do. 
he sees that and he says, I'm coming. I'm going to bring my recompense with me. He sees you college students. Whenever you're on that campus and there's just evil all around you and you say, Lord, help me to walk circumspect. Help me, Jesus, to follow your will and to follow your way. Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm going to bring my recompense with me. I'm going to bring my reward. He sees you moms. He sees you dads, husbands, wives. He, see, he sees you when you read that Bible and you set your alarm clock early in the morning and get up. He sees you. He sees you when you pray, when you're off by yourself and you're just praying so diligently and so hard. He sees how, he sees how much you struggle with sin. He sees that temptation that's inside of you and he sees how you resist it. He sees your heart for him and he says, I'm coming and I'm going to bring my recompense with me. There are rewards. There are rewards. Otherwise, our labor in the Lord is in vain. I have to be honest with you. It's completely transparent. I used to not like and study the end times. It just, I just like, yeah, it's just too much mystery, too much controversy. There's too many people that argue about the details. I, I used to not like it. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, it says, Seek the things that are above and not on earthly things. Set your minds on the things that are above. That's what the Bible tells us to look for and seek for, not the things of this world, even your discipleship. Your discipleship and all the things that you do as a disciple, you're not, you're not, doing, it, you're not doing it for an earthly reward. You're, you're, you're not doing it just because you want your life to be all good. You, you should have your mind, even as a disciple, you should have your mind completely set on the things that are above. And when we do this, there's certain tangible benefits. There's, there's, there's a tangible wage, a tangible reward that we, that we even have right here in this life. Four results of an eternal mindset. I'll just leave you to kind of marinate on these. I mean, think about, when, when we think about that there's going to be a revelation, that there's going to be a return, there's going to be a resurrection, and there's going to be rewards. There's going to be recompense. There's going to be a repayment. This is what it leads to. We have comfort, true comfort, true hope. And I don't know that I could have a steadfast spiritual life if the only thing that I was looking for is rewards in this life. I mean, why would it matter? I'm saved. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And I'll just be in heaven one day. Who cares? But, but if Jesus is watching and he's cheering for us and he's going to reward us, then there's a steadfast spiritual life that we should have and an urgency of mission that there's people that need to know that there is a blessing, that there are judgment and rewards that are waiting. There's a recompense that are, that's coming. And I don't know about you, but I want to be on the rewards side of it. And the only way that happens is through Christ. The only, the only way that happens, the only way that you can have the reward of heaven, you can't work for that. You can't, re you can't work for the reward of heaven. Jesus did all that work that was necessary. And so as we participate in the Lord's Supper, I want Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, to really marinate with you. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. 
And whenever we partake of the Lord's Supper, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, that's what the Bible says that we say whenever we participate in the Lord's Supper. It says, for as you, when you drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. So I'm going to ask our deacons to go ahead and make their way forward. You guys come on forward, and, and we're going to participate in, in the Lord's Supper together. I want you to remember what Jesus 